Welcome to Diversity Unlocks Discovery, an IAB UK podcast series in partnership with Meta. Hello and welcome to this IAB UK podcast, Diversity Unlocks Discovery in partnership with Meta. I'm Sophia Haynes and I head up our diversity inclusion work here at the IAB. This is the fourth episode in our mini-series where we are exploring diversity and inclusion in digital advertising. Our aim is to pull apart some of the things that are preventing digital advertising from being more inclusive and diverse, and therefore how we go about changing things for the better. Now today I'm joined by Meta's Miriam Faber, Head of Content and Campaigns Northern Europe, and filmmaker and director Basma Khalifa, to explore how diversity can unlock discovery when it comes to Ramadan. This is the month of fasting, reflection and community observed by Muslims, which starts on the 22nd of March this year. Now, Miriam and Basma are no strangers to the podcast. They were guests back in 2021. So I'm fascinated to find out what has changed since we last spoke. During our conversation, we talk about the vast number of people celebrating Ramadan in the UK and how this period significantly shapes their habits and behaviours. We talk about the vital role technology plays for those observing and in turn those advertising and also how brands can engage more authentically, avoiding tokenism at all costs. But first, I started by asking my guests where their personal passion for DNI lies and why this matters so much to them. Firstly, hi, thanks for having me. For me, oh gosh, DNI and my passion for it. I mean, I'm black and I'm Arab, and when we speak about diversity, it's such a global term, but when you're in it, I feel like you're just talking about my lived experience and the lived experience of so many people like me that look like me or, you know, are in my community. So for me, it's super important that we feel, I guess, seen and heard and represented and part of the bigger conversations and that brands care about us and all those things. So I'm, yeah, super passionate about it. Lovely. And for you, Miriam, what's the passion point for you? You actually said it really well, Bas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's for me, it's hugely important because, you know, my life is so intersectional in itself. You know, as an openly gay Asian woman and a mother, there are so many parts of inclusion that really speak to me. And I think so many opportunities for us to do better. So for me, also sitting in a position of power, especially at Meta and other parts of my life, you know, it's something that I really hope to drive meaningful change in. For those who aren't so close to Ramadan, maybe not observing themselves, or maybe you don't even know someone very well who observes, Basma, would you just run through what it means, what it is, why it's such an important time? Yeah, so Ramadan, which is fasting, is one of the five pillars of Islam. It's super important because it's when the Quran was revealed to the Prophet Muhammad. It is different every year, which everyone never really realises because it follows the lunar calendar. So every year it kind of goes back about 10 days and we basically fast from sunrise to sunset every day. And no, you cannot have water. And yeah, it's super important for me It's really funny because I think Ramadan is a bigger conversation. Everyone's like, wow, it's so difficult. And how do you do that? But it's super precious to Muslims. Like I get excited. I look forward to Ramadan every year because it's very cleansing. It's very pure. You really strip yourself to, you know, thinking about prayer and thinking about being thankful and thinking about gratefulness and thinking about the year ahead and the people that don't have. Because the whole point in Ramadan is to remind you of what you have. I think that's probably the base of it. And what a fantastic value, something that we, you know, hopefully all try and strive to be more reflective of ourselves. You have a month in which to really focus on it. And no doubt it starts before that month. It's not just the first day. Yeah, and I think we are a consumer nation and a consumer world and we can have everything at our fingertips and every single item of food, of clothing, of anything we want these days. And Ramadan, I think, is 
a really important value system to remember that not everyone can have anything that they want at the click of the fingers. So you do definitely come out of it being like, wow, I didn't realize how grateful I am for what I have. That's a brilliant view just to to give us that perspective. Now to you, Miriam, just in terms of, I guess, the scale, we've talked about the vast number. Can you just give us a little bit more about, yeah, how it plays out in terms of the scale, the opportunity of this time? Yeah, absolutely. So There are over 2 billion people globally that observe Ramadan. So regardless of any of our platforms, that is sort of the population figure. And that's about 4 million people in the UK. So if you think just about the number of people you have the potential to communicate with, be in community with, and also, you know, have a conversation with, it's such a big number of people that it would be such a miss not to address them. And I think, you know, looking at our own platforms, we see such a huge shift in behaviour changes as well. So... Largely, you'll see a lot of activity, say, for example, in the afternoons, typically, which kind of marries, you know, human behaviour, lunchtimes, dinner times, those similar kind of trends. But say during Ramadan, we see such a huge surge around 4am, and that's reflective of people kind of being online, looking for content, looking for inspiration, maybe for food, for entertainment, to connect with their friends and family. And that matches up with the beginning of fasting, which is Sahur. So that in itself is obviously a really interesting opportunity, especially when you're thinking about really tactical engagement for people like media buyers. So if you're really thinking about trying to get in touch with that community, you can literally target a whole community at 4am with your messaging, probably a lot less busy with other messaging. So to be front of mind, it's a huge opportunity for people. I think that's really interesting, that whole change in habit behaviour. You know, we are creatures of routine and habit typically, but this is a real sort of break away from that. On that point, Basma, in terms of what people are after, and I think you talked about this last time you came on the pod, you know, those gaps, those opportunities where you suggested some ways that brands could really positively provide entertainment and talk to this audience at that time. How's that changed since you last spoke to us? Have there been those brands that have stepped forward and talked to you at those times? I think it's changed, but I don't think it's changed that much. Mm. I mean, I'm still quite surprised that, you know, the campaign that Miriam Miriam did together did so well and it reached so many people and it was really a masterclass on how to cater to the Muslim audience. So I'm quite surprised that I personally have not seen a huge shift in catering in that month. I think there's been dribbles, drips and drabs here of things that have changed or, you know, how people can connect even from a brand point of view I'm so surprised I come across brands all the time actually not to brand drop but I was in the gym and I saw that Huel were handing out food samples I went up to the desk and I was like hey do you know that Huel would be really useful to Muslims like because actually it fills you up I could have it at 4am for the last year I had it Mm. nearly every night at 4am because it's instant fuel it's instant packs for you with everything and then you go to bed so you get all your nutrients and she was like yeah we've talked about it but we don't really know. And I was like, you're not the right person to talk to about this. But in any case, it's really surprising because I think it's on people's agenda. But the difference being on an agenda and acting on the agenda is two different things. Yeah, and it's interesting. You've reminded me last year going to the leisure centre at the end of my road, they had where you put your pass to walk in. They simply had signs saying, you know, if you're observing Ramadan, just be mindful of the, you know, of your strength and you might be tired and let us know if we can help. You know, the staff were being really helpful in that environment because that's a big thing, isn't it? Yeah. Activity happens at night people yeah. are yeah we're at- awake we're like night birds everyone's just awake from like as soon as you break your fast effectively until like three four five a.m where everyone's we're just awake 
chatting online or like connecting or texting or watching stuff I last year I did quite a lot of like viewing parties with just like my friends and family where we would just watch stuff together so I definitely think it's it's such an opportunity it's interesting because I guess during Christmas a lot of stuff does get released and like big blockbustery things get released because everyone's at home anyway this is the same but like a month long yes. so there's more opportunity surprisingly but I don't think brands I think they're nervous about slipping up so I think that stops people from actually acting yeah, but there's big opportunities. And as you say, to connect with scale audiences, communities that are doing things together, that is very much the vibe of this time. Yeah. So it's not even talking to people disparately. Mm-hmm. So Miriam, perhaps you could tell us a little bit about, I guess, technology seems to be something, Basma's touched on it, you know, people connecting, viewing together, all of these things. It's obviously integral to how people are observing and how they're living during this time. What role do you see technology playing for both consumers and for brands? Yeah, I mean, it's such an interesting space to kind of think about behavioural change again. So I know I was checking out sort of some of our Instagram stats and things, And if you look at the way that especially young people are using our platforms, it's quite different to what people and especially brands might think. So the number one way that people use Instagram, and I'll ask you, Bess, what do you think people use most on Instagram? Oh man, what this pub quiz. Um, What do people use most on Instagram? Stories. Messaging. No, DMs? Young people use DMs and Instagram most, followed by stories, followed by feed. So when you think about the opportunity for messaging and having that direct relationship with your customer, you know, and we joke about sliding into people's DMs, but genuinely that is how young people are using our platforms to communicate. And that might be forwarding content, it might be speaking to each other, but that kind of closeness of messaging, I think we're going to see a huge surge and especially Mm. brands are open to it. I mean, I saw something recently, Kathy Hackle, completely different, Web3 has now got her own WhatsApp community. Mm. So I think this idea of building communities through messaging, I mean, you know, we still talk about email. I call it snail mail because it's so ridiculous. We're all still using emails. I think it's bizarre. But, you know, this idea of messaging groups, I think we're going to see a huge surge in that. So that's one area. And then, you know, there are so many other things. You know, I'm massively into innovation. So we talk about, you know, virtual reality, artificial intelligence, all those things, you know, huge buzzwords at the moment. But I think this idea of using technology and innovation to be in spaces, shared spaces with people that you can't physically be in, I think is really powerful. So that could be, for example, in prayer, where you might want to be, you know, connecting with people that don't live in the same country or in the same city. You can exist in virtual spaces and have a very meaningful relationship in those spaces. I think those are you know, a couple of areas I think would be interesting. Yes, and... In terms of the work that, you know, around targeting and audiences, I'm guessing, you know, there's a kind of perception of I will find these people doing these things in these places. You know, how does that work? How, you know, in terms of bias, which can exist when we look at the targeting, what's your view on the best way to connect and find people? Yeah, well, I think it's much better, more effective to find people based on interests rather than saying, I want to solely speak to a lot of Muslim people observing Ramadan, right? It's much easier, especially to kind of, you know, gain that mass interest. So say, for example, you're talking to people who enjoy food. Speak to all the foodies just because, you know, just because, say, for example, Yusufi might not observe Ramadan, you might still enjoy the content, right? So in terms of targeting, it's going to be far better and effective to reach people who have those common interests. I think finding out the interests of that community, so whether it is 
the values and the pillars of Ramadan, you can remind us all, charity, there'll be one of them, you know, so lots. lots of them. But, you know, finding those common values and interests and targeting around those is going to be much better than trying to just focus on, I just want to speak to the Muslim community right now. Yeah, yeah. So a much more broad brush approach to find the right people. And, you know, I, I suppose I, I reflect on the conversation we had with Zara at the beginning of this mini series, and we talked about kindness, which we've sort of touched on the charitable element of Ramadan. Can you just can we just talk a bit more about that? I mean, it just seems like a really positive area and a positive thing to be thinking about, right, you know. Yeah, I mean, worldwide, I don't know what the stats are this year. They were, last year it was £1.3 billion was donated by Muslims worldwide because zakat is such an important part of Ramadan. You're meant to give to charity. The whole month is charitable. The whole point is you're meant to give, have less so that you can give more. Like we, as Muslims in general, the ethos if you could put it under ethos of the of the religion is that the more you have the more you should give and that is such a important part of ramadan that it's like how much can you give like whatever you can give whatever was in your remit if it's five pounds if it's five million pounds whatever's with your in your remit you should give because there is people that are less fortunate so the fact that globally that much money is given to charity a month every year it's crazy to me that that even in a sense from a charitable point of view isn't taken more seriously like it makes me proud as a muslim it makes yeah. me proud that we come together in such a way that it's like this push and with everything happening with turkey and syria over the last few days like ramadan's like it's not far and that donation will go there as well as iraq afghanistan or whoever else needs it yeah, it makes me proud it makes me really proud yeah, a big moment in time. And I think, I'm sure Sarah mentioned a stat around it being the most sort of hope. It definitely is. It's, it's the kindness moment. And we see that through donations. We see that through interactions as well. So, you know, we have the famous emojis, the likes button, the heart button, you know, people just enjoying each other's content because we do see it is the kindness month. Like you said, that definitely has part of its longevity. You know, Christmas is one day, Easter yeah. is one day, all those things. But you've got 30 days of people being appreciative and reflective. So, yeah, we definitely see that reflected on our platforms. And, and that's such a nice thing to understand more definitely. rather than the fasting right. concept that some people will only sort of see that scratch that surface. Yeah. So I suppose for you, Baz, I'd love to know a little bit more around the challenge between obviously tokenistic the thing that we think might be holding some of these brands back is maybe either getting it wrong and being sort of pulled up for you know just yeah. appearing for the month or for the day and also just not doing it in a very authentic way and as a creator you must work with lots of brands and see content that is good and is very not good What's your recommendation <laughs> i mean i think it's so interesting i think brands are scared I think they're scared. Everyone, we're a cancel culture now and brands are very scared of getting in trouble. They're very scared of getting cancelled. I think even when I did talk to the girl at Huel, she was like, we don't want to be looking like we're hijacking Ramadan and using it to make sales. Mm. It's like, I can see how you can see that. And she was like, oh, I don't know how we would get around that. And I was like, just ask Muslim people. Like, I was like, if you got a whole room of people together and you said, hey, we're going to pay you for your time or we'll give money to charity on your behalf, we want to be able to obviously it's a business at the end of the day. We want to also figure out what we can do to also support, but then also we get a return and kind of in a sense, everybody wins. I think brands treating Muslims and treating Ramadan as such an alien concept and being so scared of it is I think actually why there's not been a big enough shift. When I look at our campaign, that was purely Miriam taking a risk. And when she came to me and was like, I'm not sure. I don't actually know what to do in this space. I know that what we need to hit, I know the targets, I know the things that need to be ticked off and the deliverables, but I don't know the content that needs to be in this, but I want you as someone who's in this space to create that. And that's pure authenticity from the beginning to the end. 
it's not that hard. We now have Instagram, we now have Facebook, we have all these tools where it's not hard to find creators. It's not hard to find directors and hard to find people who know, who are professionals in that space. So just go to them and say, hey, we'd love to partner with you. We'd love for you to help us create this thing or create this event. I think the fear is what's holding everyone back and you know, not to like be Miriam's biggest fan, but I feel people were like fearless, like Miriam was that time and look at how successful the campaign's been. And this is Stories of Ramadan. This is the, yeah. Yeah, that we made, yeah. And we'll put it in the show notes. It's fantastic. Yeah, at the end of the day, that was her being fearless and being like, I know this is an important message. I know we need to do this and let's just do it and see what happens. And I think the reason it worked is because you were directly speaking to the people and making it with the people who knew what they were talking about. There really is not really any excuse. There are people no. who are willing to help and interested to... And, they, and Muslims want to be catered to. Like, I love seeing us being catered to. I love seeing what brands are doing. And even when it then gets to Eid at the end of Ramadan, I love that, like, slowly over time, I'm starting to get, like, these little presents with my name engraved in Arabic or, like, a water bottle that has, like, Arabic on it. Like, it's really special because we've never been catered to before. So, like, when we do get these presents or these little tokens, I'm, like, I get really excited because I'm, like, wow, I've, you know, it sounds silly, but as a child, I never saw my name and those little, you know, you get those like your name on little like hangers on doors, key rings and stuff. We never got, my name's not going to be on a key ring. Of course. So it's cool that like brands are like, okay, let's get like a Arabic calligrapher in and let's write your name in Arabic on a water bottle. And I was like, wow. You feel seen. It it makes sense, right? That's so. And it's such an easy lift. Like how easy is that for them to do? So I think it is just thinking a bit outside the box and yeah, being a bit more like Miriam, be a bit fearless. So Miriam fearless as you are what is it that you're seeing why do you think brands aren't or getting involved or what one thing would you like brands to do more of to take that step yeah I think as you described Basma it really is I think this kind of fear of getting it wrong which I totally understand you know we are huge brands and there are you know so many things that we don't want to get wrong but I think Mm. you're right in terms of making sure that you've got the right people in the room it sounds really obvious you know when you think about it but Taking a risk and working with people maybe that you haven't worked with before and being really intentional about it. You know, the Ramadan campaign that you're talking about, every single person that worked on that was from the community, from the director to the producer to the editor to the makeup artist, everybody was from the community, the stylist even, right? So I think being brave enough and it shouldn't even be brave it sounds like we're doing something really revolutionary I don't believe it necessarily is but people aren't doing it right Mm. it's just actually engaging the community authentically throughout the entire process and not kind of you know keeping a bit of a secret going away and making something and hoping that it will land because it kind of falls on deaf ears you know like there's so many blind spots in getting it wrong So, you know, and I can think of a good example this year, and we actually worked with Next, the retailer, the high street retailer, and loads and loads of stores and everything, you know, and they've got a huge collection. Actually, their CMO, a lovely guy called Cash Mahmood, um, we kind of said, look, take a risk with us. You know, we'd love to collaborate with you. You know, you're a huge retailer. Is this something we can work with you on? We actually, you know, want to build a case and show that actually – Doing something for Ramadan actually makes business sense. Let's test something. So again, you know, we're not necessarily qualified for the right people to help him do that directly. We said, let's partner again with two Muslim creators. We went through even like a Muslim creator agency called Modest Visions. Yes. They onboarded two creators, which was amazing. And the creators worked directly with Next and with Cash, the retailer, made some beautiful reels about their new kind of fashion lines and their makeup. And it spoke obviously authentically from them. Their entire Ramadan clothes 
the whole line was sold out in 48 hours. Wow. So that is truly like diversity unlocking discovery, right? It's like, it didn't come from us, the brand. It came from authentic creators doing something around the moment, speaking to the community. And it just kind of shows you like, it doesn't even have to be a big and expensive thing, but using the right people to tell that message. And I think if you do that and it removes you as the brand, you know, from doing it directly to the customer because it's showing, hey, we're not the right people, but we're partnering with the right people. That's credible. So I think no one's going to fault you for doing that. And it seems like you said, it's not being brave doing it. It's almost the only brave bit is maybe letting go of control by letting other people exactly. do the work exactly. better than you could do it yeah. which isn't really brave it's sensible exactly. but that's probably the bit that people get hung up on exactly that's a great campaign and I suppose almost to close really I, one of the things that's certainly my focus and you know Miriam from the inclusion diversity and equity group that we run here is around work culture and workplace and how we can be more supportive or open aware perhaps just a little bit more knowledgeable about Ramadan, what our colleagues may be experiencing and what they may need. Are there things that we can do to be better at that? Oh my God, there's so many things you could do. I always say to my team just before, like the week before Ramadan, I was like, guys, do not put a meeting in before midday because I will just not be there. Because like realistically, I go to bed at 4 or 5 a.m. So why would I take a meeting at 9 a.m.? So everything, the whole day shifts back. Yeah. So I, on average, the earliest I would take a meeting during Ramadan is I'd pop 10.30, maybe 11. I, after every meeting, also brush my teeth because I just want to like refresh my mouth and make sure that I'm like regenerating new saliva, as disgusting as that sounds. But like you do run out of, you know, you're not drinking water. So you do, you know, run out of saliva, your mouth gets really dry. So I always make sure like I like go somewhere and brush my teeth or like, you know, all those kind of things. Also allowing people to, I guess it's tiring. Sometimes there's headaches. Mm. Sometimes you're a bit more lethargic. Allowing people to work from home if they need to. And like at the drop of a hat, not be, you know, like can be like, listen, see how you feel tomorrow. It's okay. Work from home, like work from your bed. Everything will still get done, but it's just more a case of like working around that person's needs on that month. I have never dropped the ball ever. I've always been there, but it's also because my team have allowed me to take the rest when I need to. So I'd say that's really important, but also like engage. I love when people are like, how are you breaking your fast tonight? Like I don't have family in London. I have an amazing community of Muslims that I now spend time with and we pray together and we stay up late together, but engage like, you know, as colleagues, I think it's kind of cool to be like, hey, do you want to break your fast tonight with me? Or like, hey, why don't we all one day a week or even just one day in the whole month? Why doesn't the whole team fast together? And then we'll all break our fast together. It makes me feel good when people always feel like they're on my side with it and they're interested and they're invested. And then on the weird side of it, also not making a huge deal out of it. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many times during that month I get, oh my God, sorry. Like I asked you if you wanted lunch. Like, you know, I'm not offended. I've made a choice. Like everyone needs to remember that Ramadan is a complete choice. So if you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it. So if I'm choosing to abstain from water and food, I'm not I'm going to fall apart if you're eating lunch right next to me because I've made a choice and you've made a choice. So it's not being sort of edgy around that person fasting. It's like not that big a deal. So I always say, yeah, go out and have lunch. But that person who's not fasting might just go out for a walk or, you know, have your lunch and then go out for a walk with that person. Sort of normalize it. I would say. Yeah. And I think, you know, what you just described essentially are reasonable adjustments that we offer to hopefully everybody. And we hope that people are, you know, able to ask for them. But as employers, we also need to 
show that they're available or yeah. lead by example. I'd say if you have a team and you're not Muslim, but you've got people in your team that you're Muslim, I would recommend everyone the week before Ramadan sits down with their team members that are Muslim, be like, hey, how can we, it's super easy. Hey, how can we cater to you this month? What do you need? Should we touch base next week just to see how you are? If you need anything else from us, like my door's open. Like that kind of courtesy and kindness, like I think people would come forward, but sometimes people are nervous that their bosses are going to be annoyed at them or frustrated by them or whatever. So as a boss, if there's bosses listening to this, which it probably is, I'd say make your door more open to being Mm -hmm. flexible for that month. Yeah, absolutely. And I think just that curiosity point, I remember talking to someone in the industry and just asking his questions. I thought, oh, I felt a bit like I was invading asking. And he was like, no, no we love people it. don't ask. Yeah, and don't it's ask. so nice that you're interested. Yeah. So yeah, be, you know, do that. Curious. Mm. Like I think in creativity in general and advertising in general, we, we love curiosity. That's the whole point. We make things so that people like come towards it. So if you're not curious, and you're not asking questions, I don't even think it's good business practice. So you should just ask questions. And if someone doesn't want to talk about it, they'll be like, listen, that's a stupid question. No, I can't have water. But at the end of the day, I doubt you'll find a Muslim person that will be like, I don't want to talk about this because we're super proud of it. So talk to us about it. That's very good advice. And Miriam, any final remarks, I guess, just in terms of what you would like to see the change? I mean, you know, the change is with your fearless campaign that you went out there and did, you know, which you should be really proud of. And as I said, we'll put the link in the notes. What would you like to see change? I think definitely brands being more brave. And I think, you know, as you rightfully put it, that doesn't mean not doing something that doesn't feel true to them as a brand, their brand values, but actually identifying who are the right people to collaborate with this, you know, and there are now millions of creators across our platforms and other platforms as well. So there's no excuse to say, well, we don't know where to find people because there are literally millions of people. If you don't know them directly, you could find an agency that has them, you know. So I think give over some of the power, start experimenting. You made a really good point about, you know, people want protein to actually stay full as well, you know. So even just think about your brand and learn more about the behaviours and how can you actually add to the experience of Ramadan, you know, like without trying to insert yourself, what is the experience and how is your brand relevant? And if it's not, that's also totally fine, you know, but at least try, I think. Brilliant. Thank you both. It's been a fantastic conversation and you've shared loads of pearls of wisdom. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Well, what a rich conversation. You know, I read up, I prepared for the conversation, but as always, you learn so much talking to guests and certainly finding out from Basma firsthand some of the really important moments during the Ramadan period. You know, it's more than fasting, we know. The reflection, the charity, the gifts, the celebration. There's so much there and so many opportunities for brands to get involved and do things that make that community feel seen and essentially have a better Ramadan, the content they could explore, the gifts that they could receive, the useful products that Basma alluded to during that period. So thank you to both Miriam and to Basma for enlightening me and sharing so many facts and important insights. Thank you for listening to our conversation. I hope you came away feeling inspired to make a difference And also, if you enjoyed listening, why not share it with someone you know who maybe is curious about Ramadan, but maybe hasn't asked those questions. If you want to find out more about what we're doing in the industry in terms of DNI, visit ibuk.com forward slash diversity. And we'll be back very soon with a fourth episode in the series. So subscribe and you'll get to hear it first. Thank you. You're listening to Diversity Unlocks Discovery, an IAB UK podcast series in partnership with Meta.